Nonkululeko Mandula on SAFM. I say, Africa must wake up, the sleeping sons of Jacob, for what tomorrow may bring. Our dynasty on the morning bliss. This morning we are joined by Obabu uh, Pollens Mande, who is a life coach, an author, and a mental wellness advocate. Um, we, he's going to help us navigate the issue of hospitality, the legacy of hospitality. But first, I'm going to ask him to take us through one of his experiences when he travelled to Maputo. Good morning, Obabu uh, Mande. How are you doing this morning? Good morning, good morning, good morning, Nokulego, and good morning to all the A-teamers. We are blessed this morning, and um, such a great pleasure to once again be sharing with you. It's always such a great privilege to be on this platform. Oh, good morning. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Now, you say uh, there's a story you want to, or an experience you want to share with us uh, when you travel to Maputo. Yes, it's uh, today we're tackling a very sensitive topic, and I'm just going to beg for indulgence um, from the A-teamers because we are going to speak truth to ourselves, and it has the risk if we are not careful. It has the risk of sounding somewhat xenophobic, somewhat tribalistic, somewhat regionalist if we don't want to face it as a fact and a truth that we must heal from so that we can find solutions. And I'm just going to beg for indulgence because towards the end, I do have a proposed solution. Now, just to put a background to it. Um, so last week I traveled to Mozambique just on a short holiday. Um, my main point of stay was Ponta do Oro, lovely place. Oh, um, one beach of community. my favorite places, yeah. <laughs> Lovely, eh? Yes. But on um, I think it was Friday, took a, just a short trip to Maputo, um, and and had a very um, unpleasant experience by the waterfront. And I promise you, within 500 meters of each other, I'd already been stopped twice um, by police, which we had heard we had heard of their fame. So we had made sure that everything was right, all our papers were right. Um, everything was, we did everything right, but we were stopped and um, short of saying we were extorted for money in the name of uh, traffic uh, violations and whatever, whatever, whatever. With no options. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. I, I, when someone I know, talk, I know. <laughs> when someone talks to you and they've already got your passport and mm -hmm. driver's license with them, and they're already, you know, it was it was extortion. And, and and the good thing about it is that it's not a unique experience to me. I think it's 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 a, it's public knowledge. But towards the end, I asked one of these uh, officers. The second, I said, you know, I'm a tourist here, where I come from as a visitor. I should be giving very good treatment. You're giving me the worst treatment. What happens when you become a visitor in my country? How am I expected to treat you? How would you expect me to treat you? Um, but of course, I was talking to, usually when you say these things, it's people who don't travel, who never think about the reciprocity mm. of, of hospitality. But also, I realized that I was being angry with someone who probably... Um, well, who doesn't come from the same culture as I do. I come from a culture where hospitality to um, 
to, to guests and travelers is a big thing. We get excited about it. And and this is what I, I wanted to then say. My my irritation and frustration and anger was also a, a, a cultural mismatch because here I am talking to someone who's effectively a thug disguised as a police officer who is a different, so there's, there's a criminal element to it. So just in that experience alone, I've already mentioned three things which I would like to put across as the three points that affect us in our legacy uh, of hospitality. The first one before you is, go of there, course, before you yes, go yes, there, uh, yes, you know, um, yes, I think when we talk hospitality, we really need to, and especially with the example you've given us, we need to separate the illegal thuggery, as you've put it, that happens in official uniforms and the sort of people that we are as Africans. Because in general, Africans are hospitable. Yes, I mean, if you've traveled from South Africa by road to Malawi, Zimbabwe, any, any land borders, you see a lot of this thuggery, <laughs> the way you put it. You see a lot of mismatched behaviors in uniform, under official guys. But when you get to the villages and the towns and the cities, Africans show hospitality. We show, I mean, we show love for each other. But those who have some sort of authority, Yeah, I, 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 you know, one of the things I try and do is, is be very brutally honest with us and with ourselves when we speak about Africanness, because it is not monolithic. Um, it is not a one uh, blanket. You know, it's not a one one size fits all. There are also, depending on where you are, for example, religious nuances. There are areas where the hospitality does depend on whether or not you know you are which religion and, and and small 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 but by and large the hospitality and the hospitability yes mm. by and large um with those nuances here and there depending again on the dynamics but but i want to propose three factors which i'm going to discuss today the first one being the, the the factor of uh, so 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 first of all we're going to agree that as a general rule Africa is a hospitable country and that we've inherited therefore a a, a we've inherited a legacy of hospitality hospitability in fact some of those who are who are critics of our past and history say Africa was captured annexed overcome primarily because of its hospitability um, towards strangers. And there are stories of how, for example, the Cape, um, when Jan van Riebeek and his crew settled, how they were received with great hospitality. So whether it was in Mozambique, um, whether it was in the Eastern Cape, wherever, wherever, when they first came to Africa, the, their first experience was hospitality. When the Europeans first came, their, their first experience was hospitality before it turned into war. Um, and, 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 and the context of the 
wars and the annexations and whatever was that it was unreciprocated hospitality. There is that view on our history. Um, so, so, so it is something that we have we have inherited as a legacy. But first factor, poverty. Second factor is reciprocity. The third factor is criminality. Now, as we evolve, the first factor being poverty, our ability, therefore, to continue to be hospitable, to be um, great in hospitality, has a context, that context. Some time ago, um, that was around 2018, 2019, I, I traveled with a team that visited in uh, of the Shubi clan um, here around Escort. Um, and, 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 and the king narrated a very interesting story. He was narrating um, and 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 if they are listening, I greet with great respect. Um, now, if they, if, if, he, he narrated how in the past the royal homestead would have been a place where the poor would come, so the royal homestead would act as a redistribution center almost. So those who would come to the royal homestead would receive hospitality, but that hospitality which they would receive. Uh, would have been occasioned by how the others who had had a better isivuno, um, who had had a better harvest, would share some of that harvest with the royal homestead so that the poorer members of the community would come to the royal homestead. And whenever they came to, to, to the royal queen to say, I do not have food or this, that and the other, there would be enough in store to then redistribute in a manner and that one of the frustrations now for most people who have to oversee the welfare of others is not having enough to be able to provide for the poor as would have been the customary role now the customary role was not occasioned by just the 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 the, the good standing of the one in lordship as it were but rather it would have been in fact lordship is the incorrect statement in this instance um by the ones in charge but rather it would have been occasioned by the other uh, uh, locals who would supply those supplies to Inkosu. So Inkosu would have, because the others have given to him, he's the storehouse and he's redistributing to the poorer members of the community. So as poverty sets in, there is less to give to Inkosu and therefore he has less to redistribute amongst the poorer people. So they immediately, poverty becomes a factor in the ability, the means to extend um, hospitality and hospitability. And poverty by nature, wherever in the world, comes with its own problems. Wherever there's poverty, there is violence, there is criminality, there is a whole lot of other things that come with poverty. And, and it's, not a, it's not a tribalistic thing, it's not a regionalist thing. Even in the Great Depression in the United States, the Irish are said to have turned to all sorts of means, etc., etc., etc. So that's number one. Poverty is becoming a factor in our ability to continue to be as hospitable as we used to, because there's just not enough to go around. We have said as a country, poverty, unemployment, and inequality is, 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 is our chief problems. So when those are our chief problems, it stands to reason that it's going to come with those issues. So that's number one. That was a very delicate point, but I think we've 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 gone past that. Mm. The second the second point is the point of reciprocity, which is also a very delicate point. 
um, hospitality and hospitability works well when it is reciprocated. Now, at the risk of sounding regionalist, when I talk to people around Durban, including I have a friend who used to live, who has lived in Matatiele, he lived in Katlehong, we now live together in, in Durban. And he's saying his relatives who are from Joburg, when they get to Durban, tend to expect him to offer them everything. Um, but when he comes back to Joburg, he is not receiving the same treatment. And if I listen to other people, there is that sense of what, you know, uh, we've come to a point where our hospitality is not reciprocated. Visitors come, we give them everything. They don't give us anything back. Now, here's the context. In the past, what would happen is when you visit relatives or whoever, you would carry some supplies. And you would figure, you, you carry some supplies and those supplies would then form part of that hospitability, that hospitality. Hence, we have a word in Zulu, it's called isipego. So, for example, if you're having a function and we know that you have to provide for all of us who are your guests, you are not providing at your own expense. We bring supplies. So whether we're bringing Amatanga, um, whether we are bringing Umbila or whatever other food supplies and, and whatever else that we think you're going to need for the function, it is not entirely at your at at at, at your, your 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 cost. Including there is the cultural practice of is vivane. When we say uposa ije is vivanen, what would happen is that if you are about to build and you would then start a stock pile of stones called Isvivan. And then whenever anybody passes by there and they know that there is an Isvivan there, and they are somewhere, they see a good stone, a stone that would be good for building. They don't have to know who's building. They'll just go past, they'll collect that stone and know it all. Um, a kilometer or two kilometers away, there's an isvivane. I'll go past and drop. Hence, we say uposa isvivane. You are just contributing to somebody else who's building. And then you have the cultural practice of ilima, where we say you are tilling your own field. We will come and help you till the field. When it's time for your harvest, it comes naturally for you, therefore, to share with others because others have participated in this um, in, in ilima helping you prepare and plow your fields. So there's a reciprocity there, um, the cultural practice of ilim. Um, so, so, so it was always shrouded in reciprocity. In fact, in, in, uh, and may his soul rest in peace. Once shared a very, he is late now, and may his soul rest in peace. He once shared a very interesting etymology of the word Musa. And uh, the, the people would allow Inkosi to Musa them because Inkosi would make it possible for them to Musa. And he was saying, therefore, um, the king, the, 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 the Inkosi would have uh, in inverted commas, and I use the wrong expression, lordship, because in, in, in our culture, it's not lordship, it's rulership rather. Um, it, it, they would allow rulership because 
the king would in turn be very hospitable towards them and they would allow them enjoyment out of his hospitality. So there was a reciprocity, unlike lordship. In the case of the European concept of lordship and fiefdoms and all of that, there was just one person who ruled over all of these things. The rest were peasants and, and, and hence the French Revolution and all those other things were peasants. Uh, rebelled over the lords because there was there was there was um, a terrible treatment. But here he was saying he was explaining the concept. Abantu so there is a certain reciprocity in one word you capture the reciprocity of hospitality and hospitability so that's the second component so when hospitability and hospitality is not reciprocated it disappoints those who are issuing that hospitality and that hospitability and so it affects our legacy it affects our the continuity of that legacy it affects our ability and i'd say by and large there's been a sense that that hospitality is not being reciprocated as i draw towards a close the last point is criminality so when there is criminality and i'm going to start by my own personal example because this one runs the risk of sounding like xenophobia that ex- experience in Maputo, for example, but also in point here, I, I generally like to think I'm a nice guy. And, um, you know, I've met law by 2007, when it was not fashionable to speak of Nigerian pastors, for example, I had Nigerian pastor friends. Um, the, 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 the imprisoned, um, uh, um, uh, um, What's his name? Uh, Omotosho, for example. I'd already met him. We'd already had uh, conversations. I'd gone to his church and I decided I don't like it, but we were on very good terms. You know, we were, we were in speaking terms. So I'm far from xenophobic. I had, even back then, Nigerian friends, for example, and it proved to be a downfall for me. I was mugged in point in in around eight nine in the morning for being friendly to a nigerian fellow uh, who was asking me something that i didn't understand but i stopped and i engaged him as a brother and before i knew it i was being mugged and and the biggest frustration for me was like here i am one in my own country i'm being mugged two i'm being mugged for being nice i'm being mugged for being hospitable to a stranger to a visitor and, and that frustration left such a bitter taste in my mouth. I eventually said to these guys, but what about so-and-so, 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 other Nigerian guys that I knew who were very nice guys? And I'm like, but what's your problem? So when there are those criminal elements, they spoil. And as I indicated, for example, that, that experience in Maputo, which is not a generic, I mean, in Porta to Oro, which is still within the same same country, I had an amazing, amazing, amazing experience. On my Facebook, for example, I posted photos of how some of the local guys, when we were moving from Ponta to Oro to Malongane, we got stuck in the sand and there were boys there, they helped us. I posted photos of those and how the locals were so friendly and everything and everything. But their individual criminal elements then spoiled the experience. Now, criminality can be as, as brazen as that, or it can be something as subtle as if you leave 
uh, closer to the borders. You will hear stories of how people will move from their countries, move across the border into South Africa um, for childbirth so that their children could be born in South Africa and begin to have South African benefits, you know, um, and, and other forms of um, things that are not quite legal um, that may not uh, be criminal in the sense of you're robbing someone of something, but which is cheating the system. And and when you have people who live in those areas telling you this one, this one, this one. For example, someone was telling me a story uh, of somebody who they're from Swaziland. Uh, they read, they got uh, their certification, etc. And when they couldn't qualify, they then came into South Africa, started in grade 9 and 10, so that they could qualify for NSFAS within two years uh, because they matriculated out of the South African system and qualify for NSFAS, and that's it. And now you can see how the other people who have not received NSFAS, the discussion was, I pay taxes. I don't qualify for NSFAS. Somebody who shouldn't qualify for NSFAS is enjoying NSFAS uh, out of my taxes. You see how it can make other people unhappy when they see those things with their own eyes. Most definitely. And then it has, you see. So, so it can be brazen criminality or it can even be slight instances of just people exploiting the system because... Theoretically, it can be said that the system is available for exploitation. Let me round up. So with those three factors, if we look at them just from one, the availability of resources, which causes competition for scarce resources. Number two, the the, the failed system of reciprocity and, and the disappointment that comes out of that, which makes people therefore not very keen on continuing. Number three, experiences of uh, criminality, whether it is brazen criminality or just exploitation of the system. Those three factors I want to propose are, are going to affect our ability to continue to become hospitable. In conclusion, I want to propose no good Lego that if we are to continue and not become bad people created by a system, but rather to continue to become the good people that we are, two things need to happen. The first one, we need to be wise in terms of our boundaries. As a life coach, I would say any person who wants to continue to be good as a person must learn to exercise boundaries. Good boundaries make for good, good fences make for good neighbors. Um, but healthy boundaries, whether at a personal level, interpersonal level, but also at a country level, good boundaries and good borders. And we need to have this as a fair conversation, unemotional, we're going towards elections, other people are not going to want us to have this as a fair conversation. But if we're going to continue into the future, then we must have it as an honest, brutally honest, unemotional and fair conversation. Number two, we are going to have to be, I propose, spiritual about it. We're going to have to find the spiritual resource. For example, if you go to the Bible, um, Colossians chapter 3 from verses 24 to 27 encourages us to say whatever we do, we must do it as unto the Lord, knowing that our reward is with the Lord. Hospitality is one of those things that is very spiritual uh, in our culture, for example. So you are doing this because the Lord God, the maker, will reward you 
for being hospitable to others. In fact, somewhere else the Bible even talks about, it says, do not cease to be hospitable to strangers because some of you have entertained angels without knowing it. So we find spiritual resource from wherever our spirituality is rooted. I'm using the Bible because that's my frame of reference. But I'm saying whatever frame of reference we come from, spirituality tends to have certain common constructs, including hospitality. Um, if we are spiritual about it, we can probably survive these three factors and be able to pass on a legacy of hospitality based on wisdom with clear boundaries, number two, but based on the belief that if I continue to be hospitable and I pass this on as a legacy to my family, they're not going to become poor. Instead, they will become blessed for continuing to be a hospitable people. And one of the more practical blessings is that we will continue to have tourists come into our beautiful country. And tourism is one of those possibilities by which even our economy can break out of the cycles of poverty. Uh, and and that concludes my proposition for today. It's a very delicate subject, and I did beg for indulgence from amongst 80 months. I hope we have tackled it with the grace uh, that is required of the topic. Indeed, Good morning. Indeed, it has been tackled with grace, and I think we touched a nerve here and there, but it opened us up. So if we are the ones who are not reciprocating the hospitality, we need to start doing better and remembering the legacy that was passed down to us. Thank you so very much uh, Paul Nzimande. Give us uh, contact details, social media handles, how do we get in touch? I'm on Facebook, Paul Nzimande, uh, Paul Nzimande coach, Twitter at Paul Nzimande, Instagram, Paul underscore Nzimande. I do also have a private email address, it's Paul Nzimande at Gmail. Otherwise, I have a website, it's wealthorganic.co.za and that wealth is spelled W Health. It's a merger between wealth and health. Wealth Organic. One word, wealthorganic.co.za. Good morning. Have a blessed morning.